so blessed to uh, just to receive from that. I, I was a bit of a wreck after the worship set. I don't know what you guys were like. I was like crying my eyes out and like just the love of God is so tangible in this in this room. And yeah, I just thank you to guys who have uh, yeah the band set that up and uh, yeah just just been really great to to include some of our kids and our youth and. Uh, We've got a lot of them in, in this church, and you might not see them all the time, but we wanted to show you a little bit of, uh, of what they do. And, uh, these are not just um, kids that we've put up here the first time. You know, they, they actually do this regularly. We have them leading worship upstairs in kids and in youth and at different youth events that we've had around. So they're becoming really, really good, and they get an opportunity to show their skills, but also to serve God in that way as well. So we're, yeah, we're really excited. And there's, there's more than just the ones you've seen. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's really cool. My name's Dave, and uh, I'm the children and families pastor here at Riverside. And it's it's fun being with you here this morning. I'm excited to come with my wife Beth. Um, see us in the picture there. This is what I usually look like on a Sunday morning. You know, I sit out, I dress up for you. But um, yeah, last week we had a superhero party for Celebration Sunday, so I thought I'd come with my alter ego and uh, my wife Beth, and you can see some of the kids dressed up as well, which is really fun, a lot of them did actually, and uh, we learned about how Jesus is our superhero, but also how he calls us to be superheroes in our world as well, that once we become rescued, we can then take part in rescuing other people as well and bringing healing and wholeness to those who are around us. It was such a cool time. We had a lot of fun. And uh, yeah, God's, God's just doing some cool stuff amongst us as well. So I'm expi- excited to talk to you today about taking a risk with the next generation. This is our title for today. And really this is, I guess, my job description as well, taking a risk with the next generation, which I love. And it is an immense privilege. You might be new here and wonder what we do as kids. Do we just do superhero parties all the time? Well, sometimes. But most of the time, what we do, we, we, have gather, we gather about 80 children across a Sunday morning, and uh, we meet out there. You see the tablets, all the kids sign in, head upstairs, and uh, upstairs we have worship, and then we have a, a talk from the Bible, uh, and then we split off into some different age groups where we have time for discussion and uh, craft and and learning how to listen to God and speak to God. And uh, that's kind of the four to 11-year-olds then, and one to three-year-olds uh, out the back in our group called Jellies. And again, last weekend, they had a party as well for Celebration Sunday. They had the inflatable ball pit out, and uh, they were making some musical instruments and shaking them away, and uh, they had a lot of fun as well. So it is, it is really, really cool. And as I said, we've got a good team of people as well who, uh, who uh, join us and, and lead the kids. And we're really blessed to have some skilled people. I've got a little picture on the left of superheroes. Would you like to see a picture of someone dressed up as superheroes? Right, there's some pictures. Down. Yeah, there you go. There's some of our team all dressed up. And uh, just want to say, if, if you might be interested in joining the team, if you're a parent, if you think this could be up your street, then it is a great way to invest in your kids' Uh, spiritual lives, and we just see God doing some amazing things. I'm going to share some stories today of what we see God doing, and if you'd like to be part of it as well, then do come and talk to me. I'll talk to someone on team who's on a blue t-shirt, and we can chat to you about how to become part of the team. It really is a good time. So, today's uh, 
Today's title is Taking a Risk with the Next Generation. Who am I talking about? Who is this next generation? Well, maybe when we hear that phrase, we think about people who are under the age of 10, maybe kids, maybe teenagers, maybe it's young adults as well, which I think it is. But I want to widen the scope a little bit as well, because when we think about the people that we come into contact with in our daily lives, the people around us, we all have people who are a little bit behind us, who are a little bit less experienced, or maybe, maybe a bit younger, but maybe they've just got, got less experience in faith, or in work, or in the life situation that you're in. There's always people around us who are coming up behind us, and it's this next generation that I want us to be thinking about as we share the story today, and as we hear what God's saying. And most of my stories are going to be about kids and youth, but let's be thinking wider than that as well, and think about those around us that we come into contact with, and maybe that we have some influence over as well. Because I really believe that it's God's call for all of us to sow into the people that are coming after us. And actually, we've received so much from different people and from God, and that as part of that, we want to give that as well and sow that on to the next people. So we're going to read from the Bible together. So if you want to grab your Bible, if you brought it with you, or your phone, uh, we're going to turn to 1 Kings, which is about a quarter of the way through. And it's going to be chapter 19, verses 9 to 21. And it's going to come up on the screen behind us as well, so you can follow along as we read together. I'm going to give you a bit of a previously on, because um, you might not have uh, seen what we got up to. We're following the prophet Elijah. He is a prophet of God to the people. He tells them what God is saying. And uh, he's been doing some cool stuff recently. He's just had a big showdown on the mountain with some other prophets to prove whose God is the real God. And uh, Elijah's God, our God, sends fire from heaven to burn up this offering. So no matches involved, but the, you know, it burns up and it, it's kind of fire everywhere. And they pro- it proves that our God is the real God. And so all these other prophets are defeated. Now the king, whose prophets they were, gets quite upset about this. And he tells his wife, and she is a bit angry. Okay, so she then threatens to kill Elijah. And she says, "Well, be uh, be a terrible thing if I if I don't if I let him live." Basically, so Elijah gets really scared. And he runs for his life, and he goes and hides. And uh, an angel comes to him, and the angel steadies him, encourages him, and then sends him to Mount Horeb, which is the mountain of God. It's where the Ten Commandments were given, and the angel says, go to Mount Horeb, and God will meet with you there. And this is where we pick up the story, after Elijah travels down to the mountain. So we're going to read from verse 9. There, Elijah went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him. What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, broken down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, 
But the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak up over his face, went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? And he replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. Had the Israelites have rejected your covenant, they've broken your, down your altars and they've put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazael, king of Aram. Also, anoint Jehu, son of Nimshi, king over Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from Abel Meholah, that he be a prophet, a touchstone. Jehu will put to death any who escape the sword of Hazael. And Elisha will put to death any who escape the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and all whose mouths have not kissed him. So, Elijah went from there and found Elisha, son of Shaphat. He was plowing a field with 12 yoke of oxen, and he himself was driving the 12th pair. Elijah went up to him, threw his cloak around him. Elisha left his oxen and ran after him. He said, let me kiss my mother and father goodbye, and then I'll come with you. And Elijah said, go back. What have I done to you? So Elisha left him and went back. He took his yoke of oxen and slaughtered them. He burned the plowing equipment to cook the meat and then gave it to the people and they ate. Then he set out to follow Elijah and became his servant. Pretty cool, huh? So it seems to me that Elijah has come to the end of himself. He has gone as far as he can. God brings him to the mountain to speak to him and show him his power. The Lord asks him what he's doing here, and Elijah communicates his anguish, his desperation, his fear. He's been very zealous for God, but the people have still rejected God, and now they want to kill Elijah. He feels like he's the only one left. We read later that actually there's still 7,000 people who are faithful to God. But we know what it's like, don't we? When we've come to the end of ourselves, when we're feeling like that, we feel like the whole world's against us. We feel like we're all alone in that moment. So, Elijah has reached his limit. And God shows himself to Elijah in a series of phenomena. A wind, an earthquake, and a fire all shake the mountain. But God is not in the loud, obvious, dramatic events. Instead, he speaks to Elijah in a still, small voice, a whisper. I'll let you think about why God chose to speak to Elijah in this way, and not through the loud, obvious, dramatic events. Having shown his power to Elijah, God again asks him why he has come. I wonder if he'll give a different answer this time. But Elijah's stance has not changed. He still feels alone and desperate. 
even the show of God's power has not changed his perspective. So God gives Elijah a new instruction. He is to go and anoint two new kings to take over governing the people. And God also appoints a successor to Elijah, someone to take his place as the prophet of God. Elijah has come to the end of himself, reached his limit, he's hit his ceiling, and now God has appointed the next generation to come through. Here we come to the part of the story that I wanted to focus on today. Elijah goes first to find Elisha, his successor. Elisha is busy plowing a field. He's driving two oxen, he's part of a large team of oxen, he's pretty busy. And uh, Elijah goes up to him, takes off his cloak and puts it around Elisha's shoulders. Now, when he does this, this is symbolic of asking him to follow him. So the cloak that Elijah was wearing symbolized the role that he had. He was the prophet of God, and his cloak was like his, his uniform. Or like People knew that if you were wearing that cloak, you had some status. All right? And so by taking off his cloak and pulling it around Elisha's shoulders, that symbolized the new role that Elisha was going to have. Elijah was calling him to follow him. Elisha runs after him, and realizing that this is a life-changing moment, he asks Elijah if he can go back and say goodbye to his friends and family. And Elijah allows him this grace, but encourages him to remember the calling that was just given him. What happens next, I think, probably surprises Elijah. Elisha goes back, but instead of finding the comforts of home, having second thoughts, you know, he's got his mum's cooking and uh, his washing's getting done and all that kind of stuff, he realised that he could have realised all the things that he was going to be leaving behind and not wanting to go. But he instead takes his plough and he burns it and he kills the oxen and makes a feast out of them. Shares it with his family and friends and then he leaves. So he's destroyed his means of working and earning money. He's destroyed his livelihood. There is no way back now. He is all in. After he says goodbye to his family, he leaves them and goes with Elijah. Nothing to go back for now, only forwards. This is amazing faith shown by Elisha. So there's three things I want to pull out today from our passage. I want to talk about, as we think about taking risks with the next generation. And I'm going to share some stories with you as well from what I see God doing. So, here's the three points. Number one, our ceiling must become their floor. Number two, let's throw our cloaks around their shoulders. And number three, let's give them opportunities to exceed our expectations. So if you're here today exploring faith, I want to say welcome, it's great to have you with us. Um, I hope this message will give you insight into God's character, what he's like, who he is, and his heart for people as well. I hope you'll be inspired by some of the stories that I share, and that it gives you a picture of what it is like to follow Jesus. Alright, so, point number one, our ceiling must become their floor. What do I mean by that? Well, looking at the story, Elijah had hit his ceiling. He could go no further. He could achieve no more. He'd done lots for God, as he 
achieved a lot of things, but he came to the end of himself. His task now was to pass on what he had learned to the next person so that the work could continue, so that the ministry could keep, keep going further to the next level. The things that Elijah had fought for and put in place should now become the expectation and the normal for Elisha. The same is true for us. We have been on a journey as the global church over the last 50 years. Since the vineyard began, things have changed a lot. Things that were contentious then are now normal. For example, sitting on chairs and not on pews. Well, growing up in my Baptist church when I was younger, this was a big thing. And we talked for months, it felt like, about whether we should get rid of the pews and what chairs we should get and all this kind of stuff. Was it right to sit on anything other than a pew? And, um, but it's now normal for us. And so, like having guitars and drums in church and drinking coffee and eating donuts and you know, having women in leadership and speaking, getting to do the stuff, you know, praying for healing, hearing God's voice for ourselves, seeing miracles. People saying yes to Jesus on the streets regularly. This is all stuff that has become fairly normal for us at this church. But it is amazing, isn't it? And there are people that have contended for this stuff over the years. And they've fought hard for this stuff. And I want to thank you if you're one of those people that has grafted and worked and contended for this stuff. We're seeing a harvest of it now. We're seeing God doing some amazing things. And it is becoming normal for us. But we don't want our children the next generation, to have to fight for the same things that we have fought for. We instead want them to stand on the shoulders of those who have gone before them. To be able to reach new heights, to go further than we have. We want the things that we have contended for to become foundational for them. To allow them to reach for the next things. To be able to go higher and further than we have been able to ourselves. And here's an example from what I've seen recently. When I was growing up, I, uh, I read the Bible a lot. I loved it. I loved the Bible, and um, it was the way that God speaks to me, okay? But it was also the only way I could hear God's voice. I'd never known about kind of listening to God and hearing His voice, just Him speaking to me. And also, when we would pray for people, the only way we would really pray for people was to plead with God. You know, we'd ask Him if it wasn't too much trouble whether he could maybe do something for us if it was his will, and, and then we'd hope that something would happen. And this is somewhat shifted now. A few months back in Young Vineyard, after we'd spent time worshipping upstairs, we were encouraging the kids to listen to God and uh, to hear what he was saying. And one of the boys came up to me and said um, that he felt God saying that there was someone in the room who was feeling scared. And... Um, asked if we could share it and try and find out who this person was. Now, I felt God say to me that she was going to be in our group, that in our age group. And so we waited until we got into the smaller group setting. And then the boy shared what God had said, that there was someone in the room who was feeling scared and that God wanted them to know that he knows how you feel. And um, what was amazing, this girl was sat the other side of the room and she put her hand up and she looked very confused and she's like, Wow, that's, that's amazing. I've, I've been feeling just like that. And um, it's because I've been getting these dreams about dying and it's made me feel really scared. Isn't that amazing? So God had spoken to this boy specifically for this girl. And 
God had shown him exactly how she was feeling. So then we offered to pray for this girl. Would you like us to pray for you? And she said, yes. And so we got the kids and we gathered around. Julie put a hand on her shoulder and she said, yes. And so she just put a hand on her. And instead of asking for God to take their prayers away, the children, knowing that Jesus has given them authority over the dreams, sent them away in Jesus' name. They commanded the dreams to stop in Jesus' name. And they commanded fear to leave in Jesus' name, right there and then. And you could see the Holy Spirit was moving on the girl as we prayed for her. This then unlocked more stuff that was happening in the room. So after we prayed for her, two other boys put their hand up, and they too had been having similar dreams. And so, again, we asked them if we could pray for them. The kids gathered round, and they were praying for these, these boys. And they cast the dreams out in Jesus' name. And they blessed them with good sleep. See, this is the new normal for our, for our kids. They're understanding that they have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. That they can hear God's voice for themselves. They can command healing in Jesus' name and see him move in power. This is where our ceiling has now become their floor. Where for so long, physical healing was quite rare in the church. Now, we're seeing people being prayed for all the time for healing, both in here and in Young Vineyard as well. And we're seeing people receiving healing physically in their bodies. Where in the past we have longed to enjoy the fullness of God's presence when we worship. The children are now experiencing this every week in Young Vineyard. Learning what it feels like to be in God's presence. How he speaks to us. How every good thing starts in that place. Our ceiling is becoming their floor. A few weeks back on Pentecost Sunday... We uh, were talking to the children about the Holy Spirit, about how he fills us, how he gives us power, how he helps us to share Jesus with other people who are around us. We invited children to say yes to following Jesus, and 14 of them did so there and then. We then invited the Holy Spirit to come, and even more children were meeting with the Holy Spirit. You could see him resting on them. They were pressing in. They wanted to be filled up by him. They were being empowered to live for him. Speaking to one of the age groups afterwards, I was talking to them about how God moves in different ways to different people. Sometimes you feel something, sometimes you don't feel anything, but that's okay, because God loves us all equally, and sometimes he speaks to us in different ways. And I didn't want them to feel left out if they hadn't felt God's presence. And you know what, I went around each child and I asked them what it was like for them. Each of them had had an experience of God's presence that morning in that, in that room. And they had all felt God, that he was there, that he loved them. Isn't that amazing? This is becoming the new normal. This is the new normal. We want our kids to know who they are in God, what they carry, to be bold as they do the stuff, as they share the kingdom of God with those around them. There is still so much more to come as well. I want to see our children praying for people regularly and seeing them miraculously healed when they do that. I want to see them leading their whole class to Jesus as they proclaim the good news about him. I want to give them a platform to make a real difference to the world around us in politics, in the environment, music and entertainment industry, healthcare, and research. I want to see them reaching out to those in need with compassion and a passion to see the situation change. I believe there is so much more for them to come. And let's, 
let's encourage them to go for it. Let's accept and encourage this new normal and expect that they will go further and do greater things than what we have seen for ourselves. Jesus said, didn't he, greater things will you do because you have the Holy Spirit. Even more than Jesus. Jesus did some pretty cool stuff, didn't he? I mean, he uh, fed 5,000 people with a picnic and, and like multiplied all that stuff. He uh, calmed the storm. He healed lots of people. He knew what people were thinking when uh, they said something. And uh, don't forget, he raised people from the dead as well. And then he said, by the way, you're going to do greater things than these because I'm going away and I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit. That is the power that he has given to us and that he has given to our children, our young people. And so I've not, I've not seen it all yet. I believe there's so much more to come. Let's go after it with them. Let's believe in them and encourage them because I really do believe that the sky is the limit. Alright, my second point. Let's throw our cloaks around their shoulders. When Elijah did this to Elisha, he was showing everyone around that Elisha was now fully approved and enabled. He was recognized in the new role that God had given to him. He was fully empowered to do the things that Elijah had been doing, and Elijah was vouching for him. He was showing to everyone else that he believed in Elisha. He believed in what God had for Elisha to do. We need to do the same for the next generation. I've seen in our world that there can be a culture of wanting to hold the next generation back. I think this can be especially prevalent in business sometimes. When the young guns who are really enthusiastic start coming through and they're doing really well, as older ones who are a bit more experienced can feel threatened. And so we try to hold them back. We might give them menial tasks or knock them down or not give them credit for the work that they've done. Go and get the coffee or do the photocopying or go and ask the manager for a long wait. Have you ever had that one? No, have no idea. Anyway. What a radical kingdom move it would be if instead of making life hard for them, we were to encourage them and invest in them and train them even to be better at the job than we are. Because I think they will be. I think even if they don't do things the way that we think they should be done, maybe they'll find a better way. Now, this would, this would be a risk because we might not get the credit for the work we are doing. And we might even end up doing ourselves out of a job, you know, if they, if they get better than us. But this is a kingdom principle. This is what God is calling us to do. And I don't think God will leave us out in the cold if we're doing what he's asking us to do. And I think, actually, we'll become more valuable as we do it. It is a kingdom principle to take what we have been given and to share it away. And as we give it away, we do reap a blessing from that as well. In church, then, also, as those that are around us who maybe are on our teams or maybe that you're sharing life with, who are younger than us, maybe in faith or maybe in chronological age, we want to encourage them as well. We want to show them that we've got their backs, give them opportunities, help them to know that we are encouraging and supporting them, giving them space to show their skills and try stuff out. In Young Vineyard, we've been doing this a bit recently. We've made some uh, roles for people. For a long time, we've had youth on our Young Vineyard teams uh, as helpers and also now as leaders, leading the groups, preparing the materials, 
delivering the sessions. It's really great seeing them thrive in that situation. We've also got a youth band who lead worship on a week two for the kids up in the school. So you saw some of them earlier up here, which is really cool. We also have kids that are joining the worship band, getting trained up by some of the older guys. There are also some lanyards for the kids. When they come in, they can come and grab one that says, welcome, or they can help on the check-in desk downstairs. Or they can be a buddy, which means they have to look out for people who are a bit on the edge and invite them to take part in what's going on. The kids love these. They have a sense of belonging, a sense of purpose. They just love to serve God in this way. And the favourite one is always the video lanyard, okay? The boys come running up the stairs, charging through the door, dive for the box. Where's the video lanyard? And usually I wear it just so that, you know... But yeah, so they get to do the words and put the videos up and all that. They love doing that. They love doing that. It's all they get, basically. They're very, very good at this type of stuff themselves. So it's great to give them opportunity to do this. And we're training them, we're encouraging them. They're getting the values right from a young age, which is really cool. Don't know if you always play this. So a few weeks back in Young's Vineyard, again, after worship, we were just encouraging the kids to listen to God. You know, we just say, sometimes it's helpful to give them a little uh, way to do it. I say, right, imagine you've got an iPad in your hand and uh, the blank screen, and just ask God to put a picture on it. And when you press the button, something's going to appear. It might be a word, it might be a picture, and that's going to be what God is saying to them. And so you say that, and then whatever comes onto the screen in their head is what God is saying. And then they can ask God, what that means. It's quite a good way to help them to hear the voice of God. And uh, one of the girls had a picture, and it was of her sitting on the ground, and there were children all around her. And she came up afterwards and uh, asked me what I thought it meant. So I said, well, why don't we ask Holy Spirit what it means? And so we kind of just said, okay, Holy Spirit, what does this picture mean? And we waited for a little bit, and then she said, I think Holy Spirit told me I'm supposed to teach other children about Jesus. Isn't that cool? I know. I was just like... So, I, I, I knew this was right. I mean, come on, if, if she's come up with the Holy Spirit told her this. So, I just, I was just like, right, I've got, I've got to encourage this. And I said, look, you, you, I can definitely see that in you. You're an influencer. I can see that there's people around you. And uh, whenever you're in a room, you're always a center of it. You can use that to lead other people. And I love that God has given you this calling. And then I invited her to join our Young Vineyard team. I said, why don't you help your mum once a month in the younger group? And she, she was so excited. She knew that God had called her to do this. And so now she's on our team once a month. She helps out in Smarties, puts on a blue t-shirt and everything. And uh, yeah, it's, just really, it's really awesome, isn't it, that that happens. And actually, when I was looking for a, a picture to tell this story with, I found this one. I think this is the actual morning that it happened, which is pretty crazy, isn't it? And so this, this is the girl in yellow, Yami, and uh, it's her story of um, God calling her. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Little me. All right, so, final point. It's getting serious now. We need to give them opportunities to surprise us, okay? And this does involve risk. Risk causes growth. It stretches us. And so if we can create situations where there is risk, but where there's also a safety net, then we can really help them to grow in these things. And it is a risk because 
don't we? We don't always get things right. And people can be unpredictable. And it might not always turn out the way we want it to turn out. But I think it's really worth it. When Elijah initially calls him, Elisha asks if he can go back to his mum and dad. Now, this could be interpreted as a lukewarm response to the call he's just been given. You know what it's like when you ask somebody to do, a young person to do something, and they go, oh, well, I've just got to, um, you know, go um, see, my, my, my mum's called me, I've got to go. You know, so, something like that. It, it, could, it could have been like that, couldn't it? And Elijah kind of goes, okay, go back. But he does warn him not to forget what he has just done for him, the, the calling that he's just given him. Now, Elijah might have been worried that Elisha would see his home, see the comfort, see his family and friends, and think, oh, I don't really want to go and do that, that thing that God called me to do. And Elijah didn't have to let Elisha go home. He could have just said, no, you don't need to go back to see your mum and dad. God has called you, let's go. And, you know, just kind of dragged him along. But Elijah knew the situation. He could see that Elisha needed to go back and say goodbye. And he trusted God. I think he trusted God that God knew what he was doing. And so he allowed Elisha to go back. And then what happens next, as I said earlier, I think probably surprised everybody who saw it. Because Elisha goes back home, and he takes his plow and his oxen that have been his livelihood, and he breaks his plow up, makes a fire, makes a feast, and... I mean, that's incredible faith, isn't it? He destroys his, his livelihood, and he's basically saying, my old life is gone. I'm starting afresh. I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to follow God. He was all in. He showed incredible faith. And Elijah made that achievable for him, didn't he? He was sensitive to Elisha's needs in that moment. And he offered him the opportunity to be able to say goodbye to his family and friends before following him, which I think is really important, that we are open to the needs and the you know, stuff that's going on inside people's, people's hearts, people's heads, to know that there might be something going on that they need to sort out before they can move on, and maybe we can be part of that as well. It's important for us to give people in the next generation opportunities to prove themselves in environments where there is a calculated risk where they can grow. An example of this is that recently we've been inviting families to come out and join us on the streets for our street ministry. Got a little picture of us. There we go. Out in Felton. So in May and June we went out in Felton and then there was also some families who went out in Staines um, last month as well. And basically our aim is to share God's love with people. And we have these little cards. They're little dare to cards. And it comes from the Bible verse that says, Spur one another on to love and good deeds. And so on the back of the card, there's lots of different ones. And they have different challenges that um, help us to share God's love with people. And so what the kids do, we show them all the cards. They get to choose two or three each that they're going to complete. And then we head out into town for an hour. So they've got an hour to finish all their missions. And it's really cool. They actually got really into it, which I was very excited about. They were so pumped to be able to go out and do these missions and... Uh, I mean, mainly probably for sweet things, but they did get, it was amazing. So one of the missions we had to do was to buy something from a pound shop and then give it away. Fairly straightforward enough. So we went to the pound shop, and you go in, and it is like a treasure trove for kids, isn't it? Like, you go in, and there's like 
sweets and chocolate and crisps and like cans of drinks. And we're just going around and we're like, oh, we should get this. We should totally get this. We should get this. And uh, so we kind of we went around and um, one of them found a sandwich, which we thought was a good giveaway. We found some um, sweets as well, we thought. And then one of the boys found this neck pillow. You know, like one of those travel pillows that you wear around your neck. And uh, he was like, oh, I think maybe we should get one of those. Anyway, so we went out and we were talking to a few people. And a while later, we were in the park talking to this guy. And uh, we were talking about the football and all this kind of stuff. And then he suddenly saw this neck pillow on the boy. And he said, do you know what? I could really do with one of those. And we were like, no. We played it cool. But we were like, oh, wow, that, that's, that's amazing. Do you know what? We, we bought this pillow to give it away to somebody today. We felt like God wanted us to give this to somebody. And you are the person that God wants us to give it to. And so we want you to have it because God loves you. And we're like, no, no, I can't take it from you. I can't take it from you. And we're like, no, no, no. Seriously, God, God wanted us to give this to you today. And we were able to share God's love with him and offer him praise with him, which was was really amazing, and that, that was from you know the boys choosing that and, and then being able to give it away, which was cool. Another time, we had a, a challenge to give away something yummy. That was one of the cards, and then also to uh, talk to someone at a bus stop. So we thought we did two missions in one, put them together, multiply and all that. That's good. So we went to Starbucks and bought some coffee because we thought Starbucks is kind of credible you know, as, a, as a coffee establishment. And uh, then we went to the bus stop. And the kids just invited everyone, would you like a free coffee? Or maybe a sweet, because they had some sweets for the kids as well. And people looked very surprised. But eventually they took the coffee or some sweets, and the kids explained about how we were from church, and about how Jesus loves them, and about we're just giving away some stuff to show God's love. And they even gave out our little business cards and said, would, would you come to Riverside? We'd love you to come on a Sunday. And it was amazing just to see their boldness and, and how excited they were to be able to do this. And it was, I think it was a lot of fun for them as well. People were just stunned by their generosity and their, and their boldness to talk about Jesus and to give away this stuff. And uh, yeah, it was, it was just, it was, it was awesome. People were a little bit um, surprised to start with. So like when you go up with a coffee and you offer them a coffee, they kind of look at you a bit weird. And then they go, is there anything wrong with the coffee? And uh, you go, no, 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 no. We just, we just bought it from the shop. There's nothing wrong. We've not put anything in it. It's fine. And then you, have to, you also have to be careful with uh, what sweets you buy to give away as well. Because, you know, the kids will get like, going like this. And they're like, would you like a sweet? And they're like, well, where does the sweet come from? So you make sure you've still got the bag. And we also want to individually wrap sweets as well. Rather than, you know, a big bag of Haribo. Would you like some Haribo? It doesn't go down very well. But anyway, if, if you would like a set of these cards to do with your kids or with um, your grandkids or something, then I can send them to you. It's just a little PDF, and uh, you can print them out. They're a lot of fun, and it makes it really easy and tangible to share God's love with people. And it's, it's a lot of fun as well. You can just do it for a short time, complete some missions, tell a story. It's, yeah, it's, it's really, really fun. So... I want to encourage us to have high expectations for the next generation. To believe that the sky is the limit for them. That everything is possible in Jesus' name. To know that God has incredible things prepared in advance for them to do. That's what the Bible tells us. 
But also we need to have grace with them, understanding the journey that they're on, knowing that they'll not always do things in the way that we would expect, and maybe not how we would want them to, but actually I think sometimes they'll find better ways to do them as well. Just as Elisha surprised Elijah, I think we'll also be surprised by their faith and their boldness to follow Jesus as well. So, to sum up, let's take risks with the next generation. Why? Because they'll be able to go further and achieve more than we can ourselves. And it is a kingdom principle. God wants us to take what we have been given and share it with those around us. Others will have invested in us. I'm sure we can think about people in our lives who have given to us and helped us to become the people that we are today. And this is what God asks of us as well, to give that to those around us. Let's encourage them to take new ground, to give things a go. Risk causes growth. Risk stretches us beyond what is comfortable and allows us to grow to the next level. We will see this generation do amazing things if we take a risk with them. Let's throw our cloak around their shoulders, knowing that we've got their backs. And let's give them opportunities to surprise us. I believe that God has still got so much more to come for all of us if we can partner together, if we do it together. We'll see amazing things happen. 